Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. Today is a special edition because we're here at Mother's Day weekend. And I thought last week's episode with Curtis Chang, the anxiety opportunity, was so full. It was overflowing with wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I felt like I needed a little bit of time to re-listen, and to reframe my idea of anxiety and to really take to heart some of the beautiful, beautiful things that Curtis brought to our conversation and to our community. So we're just taking a pause today. I would like for you to just take a moment to catch your breath. Let's take an inhale together. Let's put our hand over our heart, feet on the ground, and take another inhale and exhale. Curtis mentioned to us that we are in an anxiety epidemic. Could even call it an anxiety pandemic. All the statistics that I am reading, researching, reviewing point to the fact that we are in the affects of the heart of the global pandemic and we will be processing this global pandemic probably for the next four to five years, if not more. That's not my opinion. That's research. And Curtis brought to us, I think, mind-blowing ideas and thoughts and considerations about the anxiety that we all feel in the air in this state of overwhelm we're living in, the state of political disparity, division, reconstruction, deconstruction of the church system. And that's just to mention a few things that we're actually processing. In Curtis's book, The Anxiety Opportunity, is coming out on May 16th. So what a Mother's Day gift to give to yourself, Heartlifter, or to give to every woman you know, every man you know, but especially every woman as this is the week we tend to think about all of the mothers, grandmothers, aunts, nieces, cousins, all of the women in our spheres of influence. And we all know that, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And as I say, if mama ain't emotionally healthy, Nobody's emotionally healthy. And Curtis offers us wisdom in that category in his book, in his chapter seven, Your Acceptance Move, where he invites us to get out of our heads. And you know, in my book, Stronger Every Day, I claim with 100% confidence that the longest journey in our heart lifting journey of 
coming into wholeness and healing is from our head to our heart. And he writes on page 84, Everyone suffers from some anxiety, but the people most vulnerable tend to be those who live mostly in their heads. Anxiety feeds on our minds. It consumes the flow of thoughts in our heads and then loops them in the recursive patterns of rumination. It ratchets up the internal conversation of our inner multitudes and recasts it into a battle between our ideal self and our anxious self. As we invest even more of our energy into our minds, we can be inadvertently resupplying our hijacker. So what does Curtis mean by the hijacker? When we go to chapter three, the hijack, he helps us understand that anxiety acts like a hijacker, just like a hijacker on a plane. And he writes on page 31, recall how Jesus gave us a tour of the spiritual nature of anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. He explained how anxiety abducts us from the present and commandeers us into its future scenarios of loss. The time frame is critical. The future is the terrain where anxiety exercises its power over us. When anxiety hijacks our mind into the future, we can be tempted to think we must fight on the terrain of the hijacker's choosing. We believe we can only combat anxiety by staying in the future. This is why we want God to give us an alternative blueprint of the future, or we will work on devising our own scenarios, calculating probabilities, and devising potential actions. He suggests Cognitive behavioral therapy is a mainstay of secular mental health because it trains people to do this in a highly structured way. And spiritually, as we'll explain later in the book, he writes, taking full advantage of the anxiety opportunity means letting God reshape our vision of the future in a profound way. He continues, However, I have found that it is very difficult to reconfigure our imagination of the future, either through secular or spiritual means, when our minds are still in the tight grip of the hijacker, when we are in the throes of anxiety. Such mental calculations easily get abducted into more worrying. We first need a twist in the rescue plan. And I'll add here, Heartlifters, we talk a lot about that. We have had many conversations here on the podcast in earlier seasons, and I will make note of that on our show notes transcript page so that you can return and perhaps give yourself this week a refresher course to help support you. Go back to the beautiful meditations that are in our beautiful seasons. The waiting room, one of my favorites. Being grounded in grace is another. And today I'm offering you two more. 
so that you can just sit and let them wash over you and enable you to speak back to the hijacker and have peace. One of Curtis's first steps in the plan is to get present. Leaving the future deprives the hijacker of its hold over us. Really lean in here. We have been talking about getting present, living in the present, being in the present for so long. And so Curtis affirmed that. And I just, I almost started to weep when he said it because I thought you are just affirming our conversations of the past. We refuse to fight anxiety head on in the future, but instead walk away from that terrain altogether. Modern psychological research and therapy methods have validated this insight. We know this. You cannot feel anxious when you are fully present. I'm going to repeat. You cannot feel anxious when you are fully present. When you read accounts of elite pilots, special forces operators, firefighters, and other highly trained individuals who face harrowing, life-threatening crises, they often describe a moment when they focus entirely on the task at hand. They refuse to be hijacked into the future and instead get entirely present. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives his audience a training method, just like these first responders, that is universally accessible. Here, Jesus teaches his followers to leave the imaginary future, the one you're crafting in your mind and your imagination. And you know, we're really creative when it comes to worst case scenarios, aren't we? He says he teaches them to leave the imaginary future, the time frame that makes them worried about what they will eat or drink or wear. If Jesus were speaking to a middle-aged crowd today, perhaps he might say, for now, stop calculating the worrisome trajectory of your retirement account and the financial moves you may need to make in the next 10 years. Instead, he wants us to get present. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Leave tomorrow, the future. Get back to today, the present. All of the specific encouragements Jesus provides in the Sermon on the Mount are invitations to his listeners to stop imagining fearful scenarios and be present to God in the here and the now. And Curtis made it very, very clear in our conversation. Of course, we are supposed to plan and we are supposed to consider and have goals and intentions for our future. We're just not supposed to dwell in an imaginary future filled with a trajectory of worst-case scenarios. He continues, Jesus especially encourages people to learn how to get present by paying close attention to nature. He's telling them, look, right now, 
at the birds and the lilies around you. Everyone can access the natural world God created. Getting present to nature reverses the hijack from the shadowy future because nature is about now. I'm going to read that again. Getting present to nature reverses the hijack from the shadowy future because nature is about the now. It's the bee zooming around your picnic table, the squirrel munching on an acorn, and the grass growing taller than it was last week. Nature organically leads us to get present to the architect of all creation. Paying attention to creation reminds us that our present reality is filled with the Creator's loving care. Nature is filled with signs that God is constantly providing for His entire creation. Even if you live in an urban environment, you can walk outside right now and observe in nature a multitude of signs that God is constantly providing for us. From the very air that fills our lungs with life-giving oxygen to the sun that warms our skin, this is a powerful rebuttal to anxiety's bullying threats, which are usually about things being taken away from us. The present reality of God's creation, not the shadowy, imaginary future, is the playground the Father designed for His children, for you. The present reality is where our Father wants to take us. Heartlifters, that is the message, the gift of this week to you. Please, please take the time. Give yourself the gift of being out in your father's playground in nature. Just this past week, a friend of mine was going through something so, so difficult. That when I went for a walk myself just to pray for her and to to move, because that's how I help diffuse the anxiety bomb in my own body, I just went up to the beautiful tree that's in my front yard and I just put my hand on it. I know, I know, it's a bit woo-woo, right? But I put my hand on it and I grounded myself in the beautiful lush grass that's present now in the spring here in Virginia. And I just prayed a grounding prayer for her. And in the meantime, it grounded me. Because we don't heal in isolation, we heal in community. And even though We weren't together. We were together in the spirit right there in that moment. And that's what I invite you into this week. So what I would love to do right now is give you a beautiful little meditation from Psalm 23 out of the Message Bible for you to just listen to and allow it to just pour over you like an anointing oil. And may it bring into your space, wherever you are, the beautiful fragrance of Christ. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, 
I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. Yes, yes, yes. Your beauty, God, your love, Jesus, chases after me every moment of every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And in Lexio Divina fashion, we're going to read and listen and meditate a second time. And this time, I want you to invite in all of your senses, all five. What do you see? What are you smelling in that green, lush pasture? What are you hearing? What are you tasting? And what are you touching? Invite your senses, quiet everything around you, maybe even go lay in the grass or sit by a lake. Or maybe if you're near a pasture, just take a walk. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. Your beauty, God, and your love, Jesus, chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And as we close, I want to give you a meditative prompt that Curtis actually gave us in our conversation. He said, pause for 30 seconds and ask yourself, what do I most fear losing? A job? An experience? The regard of another? A loved one? Bring that potential loss and fear to your mind right now. It's typically going to be the first thing that sweeps across your mind. Do you have it? Now think about this. What is the likelihood I will suffer that particular loss at some point? Try to assign a numerical percentage to that likelihood. And he says this. Lean in. It's a hard word. Whatever you choose, the correct answer is 100%. Whatever you love, you will lose because you will die. 
And when you die, you will lose every single thing, experience, value, and person you treasure. He gives an example in his own life. I fear losing productive activity. I'm one of those people who needs to be doing something useful all the time. Call me strange, but I'm worried about retirement. I can't imagine myself not working. I don't play golf. I don't have any other all-consuming hobbies. In fact, hobbies have historically been hard for me to discover because I'm so wired for useful activity. Yet even if I never retire, I will lose productive activity in my life one day because I will die one day. When that day comes, I will cease to be productive or useful. That loss and all other losses are guaranteed with 100% certainty. This is anxiety's great and perverse irony. We experience anxiety as the uncertainty surrounding loss, but in actuality, all loss is absolutely certain. We can try to manage loss in our lives, like the probabilities of when a loss is likely to strike, but we quickly reach the limits of loss management. Death, like the speed of light, is fixed for all of us. It's unchanging, and the size of that loss is huge. In fact, it is total. Keep in mind that total is not the same thing as final. Christianity does offer the hope that our loss will not be final. As we'll see later, properly grasping this final hope of resurrection is critical for our spiritual growth through anxiety. But many of us subconsciously believe that God is supposed to guarantee us loss avoidance in life. Biblical Christianity never promises that we can avoid total loss in our lifetimes. Like Jesus, we will all die and experience the loss of everything. Like Jesus, we only access the final hope of resurrection by going through the total loss that awaits us. But that is the hope. Heartlifters, we serve a God who promises resurrection who promises that when we when we walk when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death he will be with us and we will be secure we may not feel it but the end result we will grow we will become more like Jesus and become stronger every day may you be blessed May the light and the love of the Jesus that we all are following with our all of our hearts shine upon each one of you today in a very very special way. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.